family and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. I think the answer is Saturday. It's Friday then, it's Saturday. Is that what you're saying? Sunday? Yeah. Well, it says it's Friday then, yeah. dot, dot, dot. The answer's got to be Saturday. I mean, I'm no rocket surgeon. Most likely ends in a Y, yes. But I think it's Saturday. Yes, it is Saturday. <laughs> Tim and friends live for Friday, December 2nd. I'm Tim, that's Jesse. Now you got it in my head. Way to go. You right there are go. the friends of the show. Sometimes I throw absolute curveballs at Jesse right off the top of the show. And every once in a while, I should apologize for that because that one was a curveball. I just saw the sign and I reacted to it. And you're like, what the bleep is this guy talking about? But as always... You power through with me. Yeah, I, appreciate I appreciate it. it. No, it's yeah. all good. I loved it. It's, it feels it is like a Friday. Feel good Friday. Friday. You know what 100%. I'm saying? 100%. I can't wait for the end of the show now, but not because I want to get out of here, but because... We're going to give daps and head taps. Daps on, and on head a wonderful, taps and then yeah, the best of the week. week. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Favorite part. It's Friday then. Saturday, Sunday, what? Well, at least it's Saturday. All right, hit us up anytime at Tim and Friends, Twitter and Instagram. Tell us what idiots I am. You can also search us up on Facebook, see segments there all the time, and find a Netflix-like archive on Sportsnet. Now, got a good one since you understood. Fridays with Nate return. It feels like it's been a while. The great Nate Burleson will stop by to talk about the Buffalo Bills, an important win, the return of Deshaun Watson and Jerry Jones. Jamal Myers will stop by to discuss just how much trouble he thinks the Flames, Oilers, and Canucks are in, if any at all. We're going to get your take on that, too. Yeah, we might. Yeah. First things first. Yeah. And Sean Reynolds will unwrap another line A return to the peg and just how well the Jets are playing. By the way, see Patrick Laine? has got a nice new haircut. I don't know if you noticed this. No, I didn't notice it, no. Patrick Laine has a new haircut. And let me tell you something. It is a fine haircut. In addition to his fashion, fashion, fashion looks? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, his styling and profiling. He is styling, always styling and profiling, so I'm going to have to check out the haircut then. Yeah, and Matt Devlin is in Brooklyn as the Raptors try to beat the Nets for the first time in three tries this year. Virtually tied in the NBA standings. This is a big game. We brought in the big gun. Matty D, is there any reason to worry about Scotty Barnes? Is Gary Trent Jr. going to find it or be a trade piece for a team still trying to find its way? All that and more coming up. That game also on the network tonight, as well as the latest and greatest from the World Cup as we hit the weekend like, well, like a 2004 Chevy Tahoe. <laughs> 2004 Chevrolet Tahoe, state of Georgia. <laughs> you can't laugh over the last part. Please be Play quiet, Des, one more again. time for yeah, me, fine. please. I'm going to be quiet. <laughs> Chevrolet Tahoe, state of Georgia. <laughs> That's so good. I there had a go. friend that ran into uh, one of those. We were playing football. It was just like that. Mm -hmm. And he ran into one of those cement lampposts at the yeah. end of the street. Uh -huh. I mean, he's, he's fine now, but it was like I laughed as much as I just laughed at that, at him. And I felt bad afterwards, but... Right. It's funny when people run into things. There's it's like the, one of the funnier things you can see. There's a story of one of the Raptors production crew that mm -hmm. we could ask Matt Devlin to tell. I don't know if he would tell it 
same thing, playing football. And uh, in the basement of the McAuliffe household, uh, we used to play football a lot. Yeah. And I'm the youngest of four boys. So as I've said a bunch of times in my history, the one thing I learned from being the youngest of four boys is how to take a beating. Yeah. 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 How to take an absolute beating. And one time, in our unfinished basement at the McAuliffe household, we were playing football, and I got a step in a very confined spot, and I looked back to see where my brother was, and as I looked forward, you know those poles that sit in the basement? Yep. There's pure steel posts that hold the entire house up. Uncle Timmy ran face first, yeah. right into that pole, and this tooth right no here way. is half, Come because on. I ran straight into that pole. No way! Oh yeah. And the sound that it made when I hit it was just like, boom. So just tooth came, tooth, like half the tooth <laughs> half came tooth. out, gone? Just, yeah, broke off. Like, draw blood? Love, peace, and hair Draw grease. blood or just the tooth? Nope. Nothing. Wow. I mean, there's probably a concussion there, but back then we just thought that was your right. bell rung. Yes. And literally, Shake it off. when I hit it right. with my tooth, it sounded like the Liberty Bell was <laughs> rung. <laughs> Uh, forever in that my hurts. mind. It yeah. Boom. Yeah. No, that's ugly. <laughs> I, I feel like most most people with siblings who played sports like in a basement like that probably have, have similar story. similar yeah. stories. Yeah. I had my, my son today uh, this week yeah. in a post yeah. playing hockey like yeah. that. Bleep happens. Just happens. But uh, apparently, uh, 2004 Chevy Tahoe. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, in Georgia. your son's teeth are all good. Yeah. My He's son's wearing teeth. a helmet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's get these festivities. Underway, as we always do, with Jesse Rubinoff. And first things first. So let's give them what they need, Andre Reed. First things first. All right, uh, let's begin on the ice. There were some feel-good moments in Calgary and Vancouver last night. Yeah, there were. Flames fans welcomed Sean Monaghan back. Bit. Yeah, and the Canucks paid tribute to the Sedins and Roberto Luongo. It was all very nice. But that's where the good feelings ended for the Western Canadian yeah. teams. Jack Campbell. Oh boy, allowed five goals on 30 shots as the Oilers lost the second of back-to-backs in Minnesota. Thatcher Demko gave up three goals in 59 seconds late in the first period against the Panthers. And then adding injury to insult, Demko hobbled off the ice with what appeared to be a significant leg issue. Jacob Markstrom You're not done. made a brutal <laughs> mistake no. on the opening shift against the Habs, looking like a young Jesse Rubinoff there, allowing Uri Slavkovsky to score just 13 seconds into the game. Calgary lost 2-1, which doesn't seem all that bad, but afterwards, Markstrom gave a blunt assessment yes, of his play. Yes, he did. Yeah. I gotta get better. I suck right now, so I gotta, be, I gotta step up. I just suck at hockey right now. Blunt to say the least. Yes. Uh, which of the goalie situations here are the most concerning for you? All of them. Yeah. Like, first off, I think we, sh- we should explain. And, and this, we're not splitting any atoms here. This isn't rocket surgery, as I like to say. Mm-hmm. But goaltending is important. Mm-hmm. How important? Well, here are the top eight teams in terms of keeping the puck out of their net. The top two teams are the Bruins and Devils, who also just happen to be the top two teams in the league. And the rest of the list are either top-level teams or playing way above expectations. The Leafs, the Jets, the Islanders all seemingly Mm -hmm. punching above their weight. Like the only real outlier of good teams in the NHL that aren't on this list right now, shockingly, Seattle. But if you look at the Canadian team struggling, the Canucks, 30th in the league in goals against, the Oilers, 26th in the league in goals against, and the Flames went from 
third last year to 16th this year. Now, I know, again, I'm not splitting any atoms here. Good goaltending means good team. But last year, the Vancouver Canucks were eighth in goals against average, mm -hmm. and they missed the playoffs. For some reason, this year so far, with, with the goaltending, it's remarkably important. You see Thatcher Demko and his injury, it's huge. No matter how well he has or hasn't played this year, it's massive. And that's why the Leafs and Jets have looked so good right now. They're simply stopping pucks, Jesse. Right. And, and I know that that's not an atom splitter, but when you look at the standings and you look at the goals against, there is a pretty direct co correlation. Well, it makes a ton of sense. And with all that said, uh, do you see any relief for the struggling teams in the future? I do for the Calgary Flames. Right. I think there's some puck luck stuff going on with the Flames. They're, they are one of uh, nine teams in the league that allow less than 30 shots a game. Flames are one of those teams. They're one of three that, despite allowing less than 30 shots a game, allow more than three goals a game. I think given Markstrom's track record, he will get better, unless you think he's done at 32, and I don't think that he's done at 32. Mm -mm. And without a doubt, the goals offensively are coming. They rank fourth in the NHL in shots per game, but they are 22nd in goals per game. They have the fourth lowest shooting percentage in the league. That will go up, I am convinced. So I think for the Flames, persistence will pay off. I'm worried about the goaltenders in Edmonton finding it. We've said that before. But if Campbell goes on a heater like we saw in the first half of last season in Toronto, I think Edmonton can find it as well. Vancouver, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, just, I mean, I'm sorry. If you want a hug, maybe I can give you the virtual hug that we've oh already man. given you this year. Yeah. But I feel like I'm an old school reggae singer. Like, I'm sorry. It's yeah. all that you can say. Words don't come easily. I mean, the hard, the hard thing for Vancouver specifically is that I'm not sure you can expect Spencer Martin to dig you out of that hole. And, and I'm not sure it's just a Demko Martin problem. It's. But imagine a that. defense issue as well. Yeah, imagine even just asking Spencer Martin to right. dig you out he of that hole. He wasn't supposed to do that. No. And I'm not right. even sure Stuart Skinner was supposed to do that. No. Either. Right? So those two teams, they, they worry me because they don't, you know, they don't have the guys with the track record. I know Demko has more of a track record than Jack Campbell does, but Markstrom seems like the one who really, over the years, has been able to find it and settle in and is a little bit more experienced. So uh, I'm with you. I think Calgary's probably... In I, think, the best I think Campbell does have a track record of heaters, though. Heaters, for yeah. sure. Like yeah. three-month heaters? Yeah, no, where he can yeah. go on a run, and if he goes on a run at the right time, Edmonton will be okay. Yeah. Just, I just, it's it's a lot to ask. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Jamal Mayer is coming up a little bit later in the nice. show. We'll continue the hockey conversation. But for now, we go to the Raptors, who are in Brooklyn tonight to take on the Nets. You can see it on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 1. Scotty Barnes. Had his worst game of the season in Wednesday's blowout loss to the Pelicans. And there's been a lot of talk about Barnes' sophomore slump. Now, Sportsnet's Michael Grange caught up with Scotty for a rare one-on-one -on -one interview ahead of tonight's game. And Barnes told him, quote, I feel like I can do way better. You can read the full article on Sportsnet.ca. What has been the most troubling part 
the way Scotty started the season for you. So yesterday we had this conversation surrounding Scotty Barnes and I said this is the no boys allowed. This is the NBA. Yep. You've got to figure things out. You're allowed to have time to figure things out. And a lot of players do figure things out as it goes along, especially ones with as much talent as Scotty Barnes. Um, so I, th I feel like we laid the groundwork for this. Obviously, the numbers are all down for Scotty so far this year. The one thing I would like to see is the same sort of enthusiasm that we saw last year. The yeah. body language. I am not one to judge body language. I think that your work speaks for itself. And maybe I have some bias because every once in a while, Uncle Timmy gets a little fired up. And I would like to think that the work that I do would speak for itself. Mm -hmm. And for Scotty Barnes, I would like to think that the work that he does speaks for itself. But one of the things that we were so enthused with last year was his enthusiasm. The way he walked into every game and seemingly had this huge bounce in his step and this joy for the game. And for some reason, that's dissipated with the play going mm -hmm. down. Now, is that because of the surroundings? Is that because he's not even getting enough usage? Is that you can examine all of those things that you want to examine. For me, I would just like to see a little more of the old Scotty back. And it's shocking for me to even contemplate saying that what like a, a season and a quarter into his career yeah I, mean, I want the old Scotty back you want the you know the vibe Scotty Barnes back right right and we just we we haven't seen that and the thing for me coming off the Cavs game where he was on the bench and whether that was sort of a, a benching so to speak or just a sort of maneuver the starting lineup with a couple of guys coming back into the lineup he didn't bounce back when he was back in the starting lineup he no. was given another opportunity and he his worst game of the year which is a little bit concerning for me in that you would want to see the resilience to sort of bring it the next night ever after having something like that happen to you. So of all the things that, and I'm not off the Scotty bandwagon, I think this is just part of the journey, obviously. Right. He's incredibly right. talented. Important. But I think that was a learning moment for him and that you know you had an opportunity to make a statement and state your claim to the starting lineup, state your claim to more minutes, and he didn't do it. So we'll look for a bounce back again tonight. Matty Devlin joining us later. And the best part about Scotty is when he's going, that enthusiasm is infectious. For sure, for sure. And it helps bring the team to a different level. And you know they need that level to compete again. Matty Devlin coming up in a flash. Now, to the World Cup where the group stage was wrapping up after a week of absolute drama. Groups coming down to the wire. Absolutely no different today. As Group H started today, Ghana, Uruguay, South Korea, all alive for a second spot and progression to the knockout stages. And we begin with a little history as Luis Suarez is playing the Black Stars for the first time, Ghana, since the quarterfinals of the 2010 tournament when he did this. Stuck his hand out, blocked a sure goal in a game in which Uruguay ended up knocking out Ghana after they missed the penalty shot. Now, Friday was a must-win game for Uruguay. Other game, Portugal already qualified, taking on Korea Republic, also in need of a win to try and finish second in the group. Now, fifth minute, Diogo Dalo centering pass for Ricardo Horta, and he scores in his World Cup debut. Looks like Portugal well on their way at 1-0. So we go to the Uruguay game. 16th minute, Sergio Roche makes the initial stop, doesn't parry it out, takes down Mohamed Kudos on the rebound. They went to VAR and said, penalty, Ghana. So Andre Ayu steps up and ricochet. Roche knocks it off to the side. It's a little ricochet to keep things scoreless. 26th minute, cross into the box, finds not this guy, not this guy. <laughs> And it's not. 
DR Skeeta scores on the rebound. Uruguay up 1-0, meaning they would advance at Education City, 27th minute. Korea off the corner, deflects off Cristiano Ronaldo. Kim Young-Wong puts it away. South Korea level, but need the win with Uruguay in front. So, Algenuve Stadium, 32nd minute, Suarez. DR Skeeta fires home the volley. Uruguay up 2-0. Just need Portugal to hold on for the tie. Back to their game, 91st minute. Korea on the break. Here's how it sounded in Korean. Completely and utterly non-biased. Wang Hee Chan puts Korea ahead, meaning they would advance on goals scored in the Uruguay game. Tears on the bench. Players realize they need another goal to advance. And in the 95th minute, Maxi Gomez, last chance. And Lawrence Adezigi makes an unbelievable diving save as Ghana gets revenge for the 2010 World Cup. They hold on to keep Uruguay from the next round and check out the Korean team watching on a phone as they find out they are going to the knockout stage courtesy a 2-1 win over Portugal. So in the end, it came down to goals and South Korea and Uruguay finished level on points. But of course, Korea scored more goals over the three games so they move on incredible stuff yet again at this World Cup now group G a little bit different but still some drama we'll start with Cameroon and Brazil dun, 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 dun. We're, we gotta get that song again already guaranteed a spot Cameroon would uh, get in with a win and some help 56 minute Gabriel Montane uh, Martinelli cuts inside tries a shot Davis Apassi nice save keeps his team level Second half, stoppage time. Cameroon needs a goal. McKelly, Abubakar! Oh, Cameroon! The captain, Vincent Abubakar, with a late goal, gives Cameroon some hope. They take it 1-0 and await the result from the other game, which was Serbia and Switzerland. Now, Serbia and Switzerland both with a chance to advance. We begin in the 20th minute. When the ball is laid off to Jordan Shakiri and his brilliant left foot, his left foot again scores a goal. Takes the deflection, but he's now scored in three straight World Cups. Switzerland with the 1-0 lead. 26th minute, Dusan Tadic crosses Aleksandr Mitrovic, buries the header, and Serbia back level at one apiece. 35th minute, still first half. Switzerland can't clear. Dusan Vlahovic all over it. Rolls a shot into the far corner. Serbia now in front, 2-1. Cameroon with a chance to go through. Still first half. Nice passing from the Swiss. Ball to Briel and Boro. And the Cameroonian native who now plays for Switzerland, scores the goal that would knock out his home and native land. 48 minute, Ruben Vargas, wonderful back heel. Rimo Freuler makes no mistake, and Switzerland 
advance to their third straight World Cup knockout phase 3-2 the final. So Brazil win the group just on goal difference while Switzerland finished second. Cameroon valiant effort but they are going home with their four points. Serbia a disappointing tournament. They end up with one point finishing on the bottom of the table. So the knockout bracket is set. Brazil will face South Korea on Monday. Switzerland will meet Portugal on Tuesday. The round of 16 gets underway tomorrow. The United States taking on what appears to be a flu-laden Netherlands squad. Really? Yes. There is rumors that the flu is running through Netherlands. The states maybe catching a break. Argentina. Pulisic's good to go too, right? Catching a yeah. break. Argentina against Australia is the other game tomorrow. Whew. It's exciting stuff. Some deep breaths it's been all pretty over good. the world. Yeah. It has been really good. Uh, still to come, Matt Devlin ahead of the uh, Raps and Nets from Brooklyn. Jamal Maris will stop by. We'll get his thoughts on the goaltending issues out west. Sean Reynolds from Winnipeg with Patrick Wine in town. And after the break, the great Nate Burleson will chop up the Bills Thursday night win and look ahead to the rest of the week. Number 13, National Football League. Tim and friends on a Friday because, Jesse, it's Friday then. Saturday's I can brand. Backhander, they score. Forsling shoots, he scores. And Lundberg scores. Another goal for Florida. It's unfortunate. We go back to the drawing board, how we can play so good in one week and then so bad the next week. It's, uh, it's pretty mind-boggling. Siakam with a left-handed slam. Pascal finishes strong over KD. Durant drills the three. Big time basketball by big time basketball players. Allen running and throws and it's caught. Big 17 can pull it off. What a play. Great character and leadership. That goes a long way, man. We got a job to do. Love y'all. Wait on three, one, two, three, three. Week 13 underway in the National Football League and circle the wagons again, kids. The Buffalo Bills get a big divisional win that puts them back on top of the AFC East at 9-3 for now. Miami gets a tough San Francisco squad on Sunday. It is time to break it on down with one of the best NFL. Wait just a damn sec. Do my eyes deceive me? Are my spectacles dirty? Or is that Nate Burleson? It has been too long, my dude. What's up, baby? Your eyes do not deceive you. It is me. It is I. It is good to see you as well, my brother. You and the family doing well? We're doing great. We're actually in Nevada right now. I am in the head coach's office. My son, uh, Nathaniel, Uh is here on his first official recruiting trip. Uh They are offering him a scholarship. So we'll see Uh if Nate follows in Big Nate's footsteps here at University of Nevada. Another member of the Wolf Pack? Is that what we're talking about here? Maybe. We shall see. (laughs) Oh, doctor. I feel like we might be breaking news on Tim and Friends today. (laughs) (laughs) We'll do signing day on uh, Tim and Friends. Uh, All right. Let's get to a little bit of football here, at least of the professional variety. Uh, Easy one off the top. Who's the best team in the AFC East? Nathaniel Burleson. Oh, man, this is tough because a couple of weeks ago, I sure would have said that it was the Miami Dolphins. When you look at this offense, how fluid they are, how quick they are, and the explosiveness that they have on the outsides, 
I just felt like it was the perfect complement to what the defense is becoming and what Mike McDaniel is as a coach. But then when you look at what the Bills did to the Patriots, and I don't care if you want to argue that the Patriots aren't the Patriots of old, but just the fact that the Bills are starting to play with that old swagger. Like, come on now, just look at these highlights. You got Steph Diggs looking at the DB as he catches the ball and watch Josh Allen get to the sideline. Oh, you thought you tackled me? Nah. <laughs> and then throws a dot to his wide receiver, Gabe Davis. Oh, and not to mention they can do it on the ground. And this is all without Josh Allen having a huge ground on the grant on the huge game on the ground with his legs. Um, and not to mention the defense plays well. So I, I know it's recency bias for me, right? I, I wanna I wanna go back and forth depending on who I see, but I'm gonna stick with the Dolphins for right now. And and Ooh. and I don't want any of the Bills fans <laughs> to get upset with me. Yeah. I just want to see the Bills team pick up their rhythm and find some consistency over the next few weeks kind of like the Dolphins have been ever uh. since Tua I mean and Tua has started and finished the game I mean we've talked about this before Tim Tua hasn't lost a game that he has started and finished this entire season yeah. I mean just for the simple fact that that is a stat we have to give the Dolphins credit all right you and I have had numerous conversations about respecting what Bill Belichick has built I got to yeah. ask you, is it different without Josh McDaniels? I believe so. Huh. I believe it's different without Josh McDaniels. And I'll, I'll add another one to that list. Um, and I'll add to some of these rumors that we're hearing. Uh-oh. It's different without Tom Brady. Uh-oh. And I know you're hearing what I'm hearing. Uh-oh. I mean, could it be so? I mean, listen, if, if things are falling apart in Tampa, and I'm not saying they are, if Bruce Aarons doesn't want to come from the ivory tower of now being an exec versus a head coach, do we see Tom Brady back in a Patriots uniform? Like, Tom Brady makes moves, strategic yeah. moves. He's yeah. been doing that his entire career. That's the reason why he left the Bucks. Now they have the pieces that make this team good. Could Tom Brady be the final piece to come back and make that team great? I don't know, man. For the sake of football, I hope this does happen because I just want to see the storyline blow up when Tom Brady decides to go back home. Okay, so, so the natural follow-up is, do you think Tom Brady is still good enough to take them over the top? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You look at Tom Brady last week. He threw a stone dots. <laughs> he looks like he's a little bit more comfortable. Seems like the offense has, has found somewhat of their rhythm. There was a lot going on. And, you know, you and I, we both are the same way about talking about sports. Right. We don't go inside people's homes. But we all can agree that he was dealing with some stuff off the field. And maybe there's a little bit of more freedom that he's playing with. Maybe now he is focusing on football. We will see a Tom Brady, a better Tom Brady, finish out the season than we saw in the middle part of it. Um, so to answer your question, yeah, I believe Tom Brady has enough to go to the Patriots if they have the right wide receivers. Of course, they have a really good running game, offensive line, defense is playing well. I think this Tom Brady that we're seeing right here, yeah, he could be a really good addition to that squad. The question is, is he bold enough to make another like <laughs> yeah. news breaking yes. ground yeah. groundbreaking earth shattering yeah. uh move like this and For- I, i'm not sure if he is but i know the patriots will allow him to walk back in that building and i know we're going to talk about mac jones because you saw what i saw there was some frustration on the sideline which is fine We've seen Tom Brady have that same type of energy on the sideline, but for him to sit there and look to whoever he was looking at, and, and, and there it is, throw the bleeping <laughs> ball. That right there is said a lot. I mean, listen, Tim, come on, man. We love this sport. I know. Doesn't that little clip, <laughs> it, doesn't it make everything a little bit more interesting with the rumors of Tom Brady oh, possibly coming back to play without. for the Patriots? I don't know, man. I don't know. 
Forget Elon, Tom Brady is going to break Twitter. Like, if, if he goes back to New England, Elon will, uh, never mind. All right, listen, we've never shied away from tough subjects. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, I've always appreciated that you walked that road with me because, frankly, I know, having done it, it's not easy. And I just want you to know that the audience and I both appreciate it. Uh, yeah. I really do believe in second chances also. Yeah. I think it's important to leave room for people who have made mistakes to come back into the room. But I got to ask, do you, do you think that Cleveland is the one making a mistake with Deshaun Watson? I don't believe they are. Um, I, I believe it's up to the individual. And by individual, I mean those that were involved in all of these allegations to forgive and then move on. After that, it's up to the individual fan um, to forget and move on. Um, if you weren't directly impacted, I don't know why you would necessarily have to forgive Deshaun. I mean, I'm not telling how I'm not telling people how to deal. I'm just saying that the the people that were impacted by this are the people that we need to hold close to our thoughts when it comes to Deshaun Watson being right. back on the field. Deshaun Watson included. Um, the NFL did their investigation. Um, the local authorities did their investigation. It went to court. What came out of it was a suspension. As of right now, that is it. He um, he isn't in jail. Um, there hasn't been um, much out of the news of civil cases, which there could be soon. So as of right now, there was an action, and then there was consequences. Those consequences led to him being suspended, and now he is back on the field. I would never tell anybody how to deal. I will never tell you who to cheer for. Right. I don't care if you like, love, completely hate, or just want to forget Deshaun Watson ever existed. What I do know is he is back on the field as a football player doing his job that he is being paid to do. And the league that you support has made the decision to allow him to play again. For that, to answer your question a very long-winded way, and I hope, very well thought out and, and heartfelt way. Uh, the NFL puts players back on the field after they do their due diligence. I'm not going to sit there and dry snitch and point to other players and examples right. where guys have done the right. same, done worse, and they still play. That's not my job. That's not what I'm here to do. What I'm saying now that he's back on the field, let's see if Deshaun Watson is one, a better man from this situation on mm -hmm. and off the field, and let's see if he's a better player. After that, you make your choice right. how to cheer for the Cleveland Browns or him as a fan. Right. Completely separate from everything else. I met him on a few occasions. Before all of these allegations, I knew him to be a really good dude that gave back to his community, that always cared about the fan. Everyone from the oldest dude in the stands to that little kid holding a pen and paper looking for an autograph. That's the guy I met. Mm -hmm. Sure, these allegations were shocking. Um, and just like everybody else, I wanted to know the truth. But the facts are, I don't know the truth. Right. All I know is the results. And the results have led him to being back on the field. So let's see what happens. All right. And then lastly, and I don't want to be the guy, honestly, that ignores the Jerry Jones story and the picture. And we shouldn't. Tim, we shouldn't. No. We shouldn't. No. And, and, I, and honestly, as, as a white dude sitting here, I almost feel 
awkward about bringing it up to you, but I think that it's part of my duty that every once in a while we got to face these things head on because that's the way we do it, right? Instead of just yeah. kind of sloughing it off to the back. So, so we'll do it here no matter how hard or awkward it is, whether it be Deshaun Watson or Jerry Jones. And the picture that surfaced of him, for those who don't know, standing at the door of North Little Rock High School with a group of white students attempting to block a group of black students from entering the doors of the school. Now, the picture is from 1957. And like I said, for a dude like me sitting here, it's still shocking to see, so I can't even think of what it stirs in you, Nate. And to be fair, Jones was asked once about it, and he said he was a curious 14-year-old that was glad we were a long way from that and that it reminds him to do to continue to do everything we can to not have those things happen. So so what's your what was and is your reaction to kind of the initial story and then the development of the story through LeBron James? Any image like that is shocking. We see black students trying to get into the school and one uh, white man yelling with with what looks like a cigarette in his mouth, another one laughing behind and everybody else standing by. And then you see Jerry Jones. Is that a, a look of curiosity? Maybe. Sure. I don't know. Um, is it also possible that in that time, who he knew, what he was raised around, what we, he was raised to believe was that he would stand on that side, um, blocking African-American students from going to that school? Sure. If he would have came out and said, hey, you know what, it's a different time. My mother and father raised me to look at black people differently. And I don't see life the way I see it I don't see life now the way I, I saw it then. If he would have said that, I would have said, oh, okay, that makes sense. Um, but I'm not here to judge a picture from the past. Would I have loved Jerry Jones to say, hey, listen, that was back in the day. I really can't even remember why I was there as a 14 or 15-year-old. But what I do know is there is no room for racism. I'm glad there is integration. I'm glad that we can break bread together. We can go to school together. I'm glad that we can go to church together. I'm glad that there is a blend between all races, religions, and cultures. I would have loved for him to go into depth about that. Because when, when, when Jerry wants to talk about anything else, whether it's cowboys, making money, life in general, yeah. he has a lot to say. So I would have loved for him to come out and be like, look, regardless of what the picture looks like, here is what I stand on racism today. I would have loved for him to denounce in that fashion. Just like we ask a lot of, let's just call it what it is, black athletes to come out and make a declarative statement when they make a mistake. Mm -hmm. No, 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 you gotta make a declarative statement. Mm -hmm. You have to make sure that you stand on the opposition of what we thought that you might have been insinuating. I, I, as we say in this business, keep the same energy. Now, right. now I also have to say this though, when there is a picture or an image or a video or a case that's being brought up from decades ago, and as athletes or as celebrities, or as even as a fly on the wall, I say, man, are they really bringing up something from the 1970s or 80s or 90s on this man or woman and cancel culture is coming after, after this actor or this celebrity or this writer or this athlete? I also, I also have to sit back and say, okay, this is a picture from the 1960s, right? 1960s, 50s, yeah. am I correct? Yeah, 57, 19, actually. Yeah. And, and, and times have changed. Right. So we have to give people the ability to explain themselves before we go three, two, one, cancel. Right. 
But the hopes are when we do give them the ability to explain, they explain it with some authenticity that resonates in the times that we are in right now. And I feel like Jerry did whatever he thought um, was the best way to explain what, what was going on in that picture. I just would have loved for him to stand on something a little bit stronger. So well said. So very well said. I have nothing much to add. I, was, I had written down a, a quote from Desmond Tutu, who I know a lot of people uh, use in this circumstance where he says, without forgiveness, there is no future. But what they leave out of that quote is, and it requires a level that I haven't achieved and haven't been asked to achieve, to be fair, but he says, uh, he also argues that true reconciliation cannot be achieved by denying the past. Meet mm. the past head on, and then mm. we can get to the point where we get to the forgiveness and the future. And I think that's where, if we all kind of stood there, we'd all get a lot further. Well said, my brother. Well said. Uh, not as well said as you. Always appreciate you. Thank you for doing this. And if you want to break any news about the future of your young fella, we're here for you. <laughs> all right. Maybe next week. Thank you, Nate. There's Nate Burleson joining us from Nevada to discuss all things surrounding the game of football. When we come back, Jamal Mayers will drop by. We'll discuss the goalie issues for the Canucks, the Flames, and the Oilers. Plus, Jets' real deal next. Tim and friends. Hello, friends. It is a basketball night on sports. Now we got Matty D coming up from Brooklyn, but Saturday, as always, is hockey night and what a sked on tap tomorrow six of the seven canadian teams in action across the network hockey night in canada so settle in and enjoy joining us now to discuss the game of ice hockey is former thornhill thunderbird no yeah a world champion as well jamal maris thank you for being a friend jamal oh good to be on here it wasn't the thornhill thunderbirds when you played in the metro junior hockey league is that what it was called Jeez, yeah. that's right. Wow. Uh, yeah, actually, Jeff O'Neill was a 15-year-old. I was a 16-year-old that, that first year there. So uh, pretty fun times and uh, hard to remember. Jeff looked a little different back then. <laughs> I, I can understand. Uh, probably a pretty good team as well. Uh, I used to watch those games. You could watch them on Scarborough Channel 10. I don't know if you remember that back in the day, Jamal. But if you went in to play Wexford in that loop, you could watch those games in Scarborough. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I actually I could put up some points back then, so I'd love to see those clips. <laughs> yeah, those are some numbers. I, I was looking at them earlier. Uh, I, I was trying to say earlier that I thought the Flames' puck luck would change, that, that Markstrom is good and by virtue will play good. But can a start like this in Calgary alter the confidence of a team like the Flames? Absolutely, and it's disappointing because they're known for playing hard. They're known for playing, you know, with volume offensively and getting pucks in that. And they're known for, you know, giving up some chances, but having a great goaltender in Markstrom. But you know what? What I like about this is that this is a team that when a guy, when your goalie comes out and takes ownership for how he's playing, as a team, you have to buckle down because you care about your teammate. doesn't matter who it is. For the fact that he took ownership of it, Everyone's going to be battling, blocking shots, doing whatever they can for him to make sure they're playing well defensively until he gets his game back in order. Do you think Alberta will be okay? Like, is there some real worry for the Flames and Oilers, or will this sort itself out over 82? Well, you'd like to think it would, but with, with Edmonton, obviously, Campbell's ha you know, issues with 
with consistency and with injuries, even uh, throughout his entire career. So a huge challenge for, for them as well. But at the end of the day, th that goaltending situation has to get sorted out. The problem I find is that it, it questions as a player and as a team, you start to question your structure defensively. You start to you know, be a little bit too safe. You want to be playing on your toes. And in order to do that, you have to have good goaltending. So hopefully it gets sorted out quickly. All right, I want to stay in the West for a little while here with you because I know you're in St. Louis right now. And yesterday we, we had a board showing Jason Robertson as the Hart Trophy winner to this point in the season. I know there are folks in Edmonton that were kind of sort of shaking their heads and wondering. And Jesse and I kind of turned it into the Jason Robertson Appreciation Day here on the show. And then he goes, I mean, you've seen him a couple times now. How good is this guy? Uh, it's unbelievably impressive and what's most impressive for me is this appetite to continue to get better the other day in st louis before they played the blues they had to drag him off the ice in the morning skate he's shooting puck after puck was in fact on the ice longer than the guys who weren't even in the lineup that night this guy continues to want to get better continues to get better and i know what happens is we look at the shooting percentage and he's at 21.2 percent and you think well he can't sustain that well, last year he was at 17.6, so he's not that far off. Even if he had a slight re reduction in that shooting percentage, he has the speed, he has the skill, but most importantly, he has the desire to get better and better every single day. And I love the leadership group that they have with yeah. Pavelski, Ben, Sagan, empowering their younger players who've quite frankly taken ownership of this team. That's why they're playing so well. So, so you see a little sustainability here because I know there's a lot of people out there going, all right, he's on a heater, it'll cool down, and, and I don't think, I mean, he's leading the league in scoring. But you see some sustainability in his game? I do. I mean, to say that, to suggest that he'll end up with 75 goals, which he's on pace for, <laughs> isn't going to happen. But this is a legit 40-goal guy, and, and perhaps even 50, even who knows what the ceiling is going to be. So. To think that he's a bargain and there's some question whether or not they should give him that contract. They went with a bridge deal. Yeah. Well, could be regretting that decision in the long run. But certainly to see him having that success and the fact I think it's sustainable is the fact that he's really dedicated to getting better, number one. Mm -hmm. But number two, they have depth in their lineup. It's not that it's just on him. They've got three or four lines playing well. Uh, you're right. I just looked it up. Uh, 22 goals, 24 games. Project that out. That's 75. That would be a tough pace to sustain. <laughs> understand. No Appreciate doubt. you doing the math for me, homie. <laughs> All right. So a lot of folks talking about the the Leafs in the month of November. And, and be honest. Did, did you do you think that they showed you anything that would make you feel like the outcome might be different when it matters most for the Toronto Maple Leafs in the playoffs? Well, I like the fact that they separated Matthews and Marner and that Marner has continued to be on his heart, hot streak and it, not at the detriment and the production of Matthews. Certainly, Matthews isn't producing like he has last year, but this is what they needed. They needed depth throughout the, their lineup. They needed to be harder to play against and to think that they're depleted defensively with their injuries. This is a team that has gone through growth, that is learning the trials and tribulations, but you're right. We're all going to judge them, not in the regular season. It'll all come down to the, to the playoffs, but you learn the lessons of how to play in the playoffs in the regular season. This is the adversity they needed to feel and go through last year. Hopefully this helps them when it matters. Do you think that, like, listen, it's obvious they're without three of their top four defensemen, but do you think the way that they now have to play team defense could be that lesson learned? 
yeah, they're, at the end of the day, when you're missing your key guys, you have to buckle in. When you're missing your starting goaltender, you have to be tighter defensively. Right. You have to adhere to the structure and playing the right way and really being mindful of time, score, situation, who's on the ice. Those are the things that you can't teach. You have to go through those experiences. So I think it's really – it could end up being a great thing for this team to have to go through those things. I know it wasn't easy, especially to start the season and the way they started, but it's really character revealing how they've come out on the other end. But again, they won't be judged until the playoffs. All right, finally, I know you see a lot of the Central Division. The Winnipeg Jets are playing some pretty good hockey. They've won three in a row. They got Columbus tonight. What are you seeing from Winnipeg that's different this year than it was last year? Well, it all starts for me with Rick Bonus and his ability to get the attention. Obviously, the easy view was he took away the captaincy from Wheeler. Mm -hmm. What did that do? Well, it got the attention of the entire group. And he set a new standard for how they have to compete how they have to play every single night, how they have to be dedicated to playing at both ends. And ice time is earned. And because of that, you're getting the best out of Wheeler. You're getting the best in a recommitted Shifley who's playing fantastic as well. And then as well, a byproduct of empowering a guy like Morrissey who's now having a Norris type of season. So they're playing well as a team. And yes, let's not kid ourselves. Defensively, they're fourth in the league. It's a little bit of a misnomer because they are getting great goaltending. You look at the goal saved above average for Hellebuck, and he sits, he's saving shots you shouldn't save because really they're about 14th, what they should be at 14th. Because he's so good, he's yeah. got them at, at fourth. But that's okay. Your goal is part of the defense too, right? So he's, they're having a great season, but bonus for me has been the real difference. Uh, Jamal, great catching up with you. Great doing this with you. Was that the Thornhill Community Center where you used to play out of on John Street there by Jesse's old home? That's right. Yeah, that's and awesome. we used to say, uh, the, the song we used to come out is Thunderstruck. Oh, nice. Nice. Uh, my oh, dad, yeah. whenever we played there, would say, why don't you go into the library? Yeah. And I'd say, eh, maybe next yeah. time. <laughs> they used to play after us. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they used yeah. to play yeah. after yeah, you? Same rank. Day. Same Mark Miles. Do, do you remember rank? watching him play? I don't remember. I, don't, I mean, I'd have to go deep, deep in the recesses right. of the mind. But, but, but that group I was focused play. on my own game. But you know what? <laughs> Thunderbirds knew all about <laughs> them. Nice. Awesome. Don't Thanks know. for doing this, Jamal. Appreciate you. I appreciate it. Good talking to you. All right. There is uh, Jamal Maris from St. Louis. You can see him. Oh, Great home rink. Yeah. Great ice. Yeah. That's where you played out of, eh? Yeah. Mark Mylanders. That's a very good arena. Double rink, but the one side was way better than the other. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Close. West and east, yeah. <laughs> when we come very back, good. the Toronto Raptors facing a red-hot Kevin Durant. How do you remember that? And the Nets in Brooklyn tonight. Three older brothers, dude. Like, That's I very impressive. I gotta say. On planet Earth. You remember there's two rinks <laughs> in Thornhill? All right, we'll visit oh, with Matty D. Matt Devlin wow. ahead of his call on Sportsnet when we return right here. Tim and Friends rolls on. We'll see what else I can pull out of this fat head of mine. I shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, it's a big, huge <laughs> Thank you very much, Sheepdogs, back here for a final half hour of the week on Tim and Friends. Raptors and Nets coming up on Sportsnet tonight. We actually have Hockey Central followed by Raptors Central 
on the network Perfection. today. We'll visit with Matty Devlin in Brooklyn just a couple minutes time before the Raptors game. We've also got, as mentioned, Hockey Central coming your way in about 30 minutes time. So the Jets look to keep things rolling as they host the Columbus Blue Sport Coats tonight. They've won three in a row, have Winnipeg, and are just three points back in the Central with three games in hand on the Stars. And there's a familiar face back in Winnipeg tonight as Patrick Laine returns to the peg for a second time since being traded to Columbus. With more, we go live. Sean Reynolds in Winnipeg. Sean? Well, Tim, you've heard the saying, time heals all wounds. It's starting to sound like that's the situation here between the Winnipeg Jets and Patrick Laine. There's just been so much water under the bridge since that whole thing kind of erupted between the two sides and Patrick Laine wanted his way out of town. For the Winnipeg Jets, they've been through a lot. I mean, last year they had a disastrous year by their standards. This year they're succeeding, so they know what it's like to both succeed without him and fail without him. As for Patrick Laine, I don't think he can be thinking about the Jets as any kind of nemesis because his body's kind of been his own nemesis for a while now, fighting the injuries for so long. But, you know, we talked with him today heading into the game. It's his second time back. He said the first time back, it was kind of a big thing this time. He's saying the Jets don't occupy very much of his headspace at all. He was asked about how well they're doing. If you listen to him, he hasn't been paying attention at all. Oh, I have no clue. I haven't paid attention at all. Oh, so, right? Yeah, so no no idea. But uh, hopefully hopefully they're not going to do well tonight. But um, yeah, obviously happy for the guys that I played with that, uh, that if they're doing well and all that. But uh, you know, I'm not... Not paying attention that much anymore. Um, just, just focused on us right now. And Tim, you know, I'll tell you this, Patrick Laine, one of the things people are, of course, going to miss about him was that unbelievable one-timer. But for the media, what we miss about him was that candidness, that openness. He was a pretty funny guy, and he kind of went down that road today. You noticed he's got the shaved head like that used to have the long hair here. He pointed out our own Ken Weeb as being his motivation for shaving his head like that, said Weber looked good like that, so he wanted to do the same thing. I'm thinking because of that, Tim, he may even be a big fan of your haircut. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I'm a pretty big fan of the haircut, too. Hey, Jamal Myers was just on, and he gave credit to Rick Bonus and, of course, Connor Hellebuck. Is it fair to say that Hellebuck is back on Vesna-type levels here? Oh, entirely. I mean, for me, he's the early favorite, if not close to being a runaway favorite. And the interesting part about him was he succeeded in the past. Goaltenders and Jamal would tell you, him and I had this conversation, you know, the amount of volume they get kind of can determine how good they are. Some goalies like to be busy. Some mm -hmm. goalies like to be not very busy. And this has been a transition for Connor Hellebuck because under Rick Bonus's system, he hasn't been anywhere near as busy with those high-quality shots. And yet he's doing really well. I had a conversation with him. He's actually before he got to the league when he played junior he got peppered when he went to college he was had to learn to be more of a Marty Brodeur style goaltender who just right. showed up in the big moments so he told me he's been prepared for this coming into the league so don't be surprised that he can handle either work volume and have the kind of results that we're seeing from him right now a quick shout out the barn that you grew up in what's the local rink that you grew up in? we've been talking about it with Jesse and Thornhill what's yours uh, it's the Orville Acres Arena in Pinawa, Manitoba, named after the ref who used to ref us for years, who probably kicked me out about like five or six <laughs> games. So I, I had a love-hate relationship with yeah. Orville, but uh, on, honest name to have on the arena. Uh, awesome. Thanks for doing this, Sean, as always. Anytime, guys. All right, there's Reynolds in.
Winnipeg. Sens also in action tonight. They face the Rangers on Broadway. Rangers beat the Sens in Ottawa on Wednesday night. And we'll go back to Igor Shesterkin between the pipes tonight. Sens will go with Cam Talbot as they try and work their way out of the basement in the Atlantic Division. Meanwhile, on the hard court, the Raps starting a stretch of three games in four nights as they face the Nets in Brooklyn. See it on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 1 starting with Raptors Central. 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific. The Raptors have lost both meetings with the Nets so far this season and then are played tied virtually with the Nets in the Eastern Conference standings. Joining us now from Brooklyn is the man, the myth, the legend that is Matty D. What's yes, going on, sir. Matt Devlin? How are you, sir? Tim, I'm always happy to be a friend. There's no question about it. I got a friend over there in Alva to Williams. So great to see Al. He drove up today from Philly. And so we are set. For the third of four meetings between the Nets and the Toronto Raptors. Okay, well, wh Center. why have the Raptors gotten the good Nets as opposed to the dumpster fire Nets in the two meetings so far this year? Well, when you take a look back, you know, Kyrie Irving and KD in both of those games have certainly been key, right? And you go back to that first meeting, second game of the year, more than likely the Raptors should, shoulda, woulda, coulda, won that game but there was a play late after Kyrie had it really rolling in the second half where he gave it up to Royce O'Neal and from right there on that left wing he knocked down a three pointer that really stuck it to the Raptors for that night and the Raptors fell last time now remember they played they didn't have Pascal Siakam and Brooklyn came to town and as we know off the opening tip what did Nick Nurse do well he sent the trap at Kevin Durant who then looked back at Nick and it's like okay it's going to be one of those nights well Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant yeah and he along with Kyrie have just put up big numbers against the Toronto Raptors you look over the last six games Kyrie putting up impressive numbers and over the last three games specifically you look at the numbers for KD I mean better than 30 points in shooting 60 percent from the field all right so uh, my my co-host here uh, Jesse Rubinoff always tongue-in-cheek says the future Hall of Famer Scotty Barnes and there's been a lot of chatter over Scotty's sophomore struggles what's your take on what we've seen this year from Scotty Barnes well, it's interesting because when you think about Scotty Barnes winning Rookie of the Year, the one thing that I take away from last season, and then you think about how he's performed this season, last year you knew what you're going to get every single night. That has not been the case thus far this season. And it's unfortunate, but you have growing pains, and I think that's what he's going through right now understanding his place within this offense, how you're going to guard defensively. It's difficult in this league. This is not an easy league. There's only 420 players in the world that play in this league. Yeah. There's only been 4,000, 4,000 players that have played in this league in the history of the league, night in and night out. It is a grind. How good do you want to be? You go back to rookie of the year. He wanted he was impressive. There's no question about it. I mean, he was sensational, as we know. How many of those moments have we seen this year? There's been glimpses. And so now it's finding consistency. What is greatness? Greatness is consistency. Night in, night out. Your coach knows what he's going to get. The unfortunate thing for me just viewing it 
after seeing him come off the bench on a Monday night and the Raptors playing so well, you go now to the Big Easy where nothing was yeah. easy in New Orleans and he didn't respond. So I'm looking for Scotty tonight to respond because we all agree how special a player he is and certainly can be. But there's only one thing guaranteed in the NBA, and that is money. The rest of it isn't guaranteed. Right. right. The Raptors have been banged up, and speaking of money and what's guaranteed, it's hard to know again what the Raptors truly are this year. But given some of the contracts on this team, Matt Devlin, is there some pressure to figure out exactly what they are soon? Well, we know from an identity standpoint who they are. Yeah. Alvin and I were talking about this before I joined you. And you look at the Eastern Conference. Outside of Boston, right. there really hasn't been a healthy team. So I think a lot of teams could possibly say that, right? Who are we? Well, you know from an identity who the Raptors are and who they want to be. But unfortunately, because you take Otto Porter, remember he has been out since day one and then yeah. came back, dislocated. They really haven't had the continuity that we all expected and I think they expected that they would have. Despite all that, here they are, you know, still within range, still in the playoff conversation, but it's going to take a little bit more time to truly figure out there's a couple of things that I think are concerning overall, and I think this has to do with continuity because the Raptors, as we know, are so good defensively. But they've allowed 11 of their 21 opponents to shoot 50% or better from the field. Right. And that's not who they are. Nope. Now, a lot of that can be surmised by the fact that they haven't had the players that they need on the floor. And then on the other side, in this league, you got to be able to shoot the three at a better rate. And if you look out over the course of the last eight games, that has not been the case. They shot it well Monday night at home against Cleveland, shot better than 40%. You don't need to shoot 40%, but you do need to be in that 36, 37% range. Over the last eight, they're shooting 27%. Right. All right, Matt, we got about a minute left here. I'm, I'm almost scared to ask this. Uh, I, you might need to hold my hand, but is Brooklyn settling in here, Matt Devlin? Is Brooklyn settling in? Yes. Yeah. Yes, they are. Yeah. And it's going to take some time. Do I have a and when I say take some time? I mean, they're settling in right. They have a winning record under Jacques Vaughn. Things have kind of come back to them. If you ask me, do I have a concern with Brooklyn? I do. And this is a concern. Mm -hmm. Kevin Durant, one of the best players in the NBA. They're needing Kevin Durant to continue to be on a yeah. nightly basis the best player and one of the best players in the NBA. And so for him to try to do that 82 times, 75 times, and then also have a two-month run in the playoffs, that can be extremely difficult. But he is Kevin Durant. Mm -hmm. And right now, as we all know, top five player in the game, one of the best, and he is absolutely filling it up night in and night out. And then you add Kyrie, and things are starting to come back around. Although, here's Ben Simmons out once again. All right, Matty, uh, we've got to let you go here. But one more question before. Are you more of a Manhattan guy or are you a Brooklyn guy? Well, 
seeing how I went to PS 75, public school number 75 mm. on 96 and West End Ave, mm -hmm. I'm an upper West End guy, but yeah. as anybody from New York knows, going to PS 75 in the 70s ain't like going to PS 75 <laughs> in the 2000s, I can tell you that. Tell them again, <laughs> it, it was a long six block walk. <laughs> and I only lost my lunch money once. <laughs> Attaboy. Attaboy. Hey, always great catching up. We're going to say hi to Al for us. Uh, and uh, have fun on the game tonight. All right, you got it. There is Matt Devlin. He will be on the call with Alvin Williams, of course, as they cover the Raptors and Nets. And you can see it right here. Gary Trent Jr., could he actually be a trade chip? Ooh. He's talking about that contract situation with Maddie a little bit and whether or not they know what team they have. We'll talk about it in game time. Maybe get you some NFL picks. Wrap up our week next. We're back, what baby. What is this? Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Thank Golf It's Friday is back because we have a very special golf-related programming announcement. Next Saturday, Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy will team up to face Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth in the latest edition of the match. And you can see it on Sportsnet 1 All next right. Saturday, December 10th at 6 Eastern Time. A momentous occasion for me in my 10 years of working at Sportsnet. Not sure I've ever been prouder to have Tiger Woods now on the network. So just can, can we get you to work on this broadcast in any way, shape, or I form? I think they're like just would... they're taking it. Yeah. But you know what? If they want me to do something, I'm all ears. Well, the match, if you need someone yeah. to weigh in in any way, shape, or form, my boy Jesse Rubinoff has Love got it. you covered. Uh, honestly, mm -hmm. it's rare that we hear Tiger mic'd up. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people kind of, it's almost like if you got Sidney Crosby or Connor McDavid mic'd up, it's so rare that you almost got to tune in every time you see it. Yeah, I mean, that's part of the draw. I think he, he may have been, I think he was mic'd up for the you know the match with, with Brady and so on and so forth. But every time you get him mic'd up, it's like a window into the mind of someone who's right. a master but these are all craft. These are all golfers. Yes. It's yes. a little bit different. That is. Gonna for be, me. Yeah, I think it's going to be a little more serious. But I know he's battling some injuries right now, plantar fasciitis. But I'm assuming he's going to be able to take, take a cart. He said he's yeah. able to hit all shots possible at the moment. He just is having trouble walking. So nice. he's taking a cart. Let's go, Tiger. Love it. The match. The match. We got it. See it. All right, time now for our NFL picks for week number 13 as we battle against the SN Bets crew. Let's take a look at the odds powered by Bet Rivers. And remember, always please play responsibly. We definitely need to give uh, our records to make sure that we know to play responsibly. I'm on a heater. Oh, are, are, are you on a heater? Yeah, one win. <laughs> That's <laughs> three and six. That is. Uh, We've turned the ship around. Yeah, but you, you have won all of one in a row. Uh, Build I'm, momentum. Uh, all right, so then we'll lead us <laughs> off here. All right, Peter. fine. Fine. Uh, look, the Detroit Lions, 3-1 in the last four weeks, 4-0 against the spread. They're better than people think. The Jags may be better than people think, too. Led just an incredible drive uh, that I know you oh, were on yeah. the other side of last week. But still, the Lions at home, I like it against the Jags. Give me Detroit. All right, I'm just taking the Titans because they seem to play games close to Eagles have played some close games mm -hmm. as of late, and their rush defense has allowed over 130 yes. yards per game Love over that. the last four, which ranks 23rd. Derrick Henry, give me a field goal game and hopefully give me the win. And obviously the SM Bets crew, they always go to a Twitter poll, mm -hmm. and the teams they're riding with this time 
for week number 13. Miami plus three and a half at San Francisco. The fact that the Dolphins are getting points is kind of sort of eye-opening. They'll also take the Bengals plus two at home to the Chiefs. Is Jamar Chase playing in that game? He is officially questionable, but he did have a full practice, so he's probably going to play. Uh, I, kinda, I like the Dolphins, too. I, I was waffling. I almost took that one as well. Uh, they're pretty good. <laughs> Offense is pretty good. I know the Niners are a bit of a wagon, but Tua's... Tua's something right now. Yeah, I got a note from the SM Bets crew mm-hmm. that just says, in Tua we trust. Yeah, there you go. Understood. So got well it good and since you understood. We'll Every game day starts right here on Tim and Friends. So let's get you set up to date with what's going on tonight on Sportsnet. Raptors visit the Nets on Sportsnet, Sportsnet 1. Starting with the pregame show, 7.30 Eastern time. Later on, we've got the Bulls and Warriors on Sportsnet 1. And, of course, Friday Night Smackdown. As always, 8 p.m. Eastern on Sportsnet 360. As for right now, uh, 6.23 p.m., it's game time. (laughs) I have 22. What clock are you looking at? One over there. You got 22? Yeah. Digitally. Phone says 22 as yeah. well. Yeah. That's all right. Correct. Okay. Uh, I'm wrong. It is game time. I feel shame. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I didn't, I, I didn't mean to do that to you. Oh, it's okay. Just back the bus up over here. Uh, let's start with the Toronto Raptors. After starting in his first 16 games of the season, Gary Trent Jr. has come off the bench in the last two, and he responded with a season high. 35 points Wednesday against the yeah, Pelicans. In a blowout game, though. Yeah, so I'm going to ask you how important is it for him to get going and do, I guess do you read anything into the, the 35 and a blowout? This this is really interesting to me because Gary Trent Jr., you heard Matt Devlin talking about the difference between good and great is consistency. Gary Trent's at the door. Like, he obviously can play. And here's the response to Nick Nurse calling him out. 19.3 points per game. If you get that guy, then you're good. He's one of the only or one of a few Raptors that when they heat up from outside, they can change a game. And they obviously need shooters. The question is, do you trust him to bring it every game? And if you don't, maybe you have to trade him. He's got a player option for next year that he probably won't exercise because NBA players are getting paid a boatload of money these days. And I could see him exercising that contract. So if you don't determine that he's a part of this team moving forward, do you have to trade him for the Grievous Vasquez project? And for those who don't remember, the expiring contract can sometimes turn into something. I'll never forget the Raptors trading an expiring Grievous Vasquez contract to Milwaukee. And what they got back in return was OG Ananobi and Norm Powell. And Norm Powell's expiring contract, they turned into Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood. This might be one of the greatest trade trees in the history of the NBA. Gravis Vasquez, the end of one season of Gravis Vasquez, turned into all that for the Toronto Raptors, including championship pedigrees of Norm Powell and OG Ananobi. So the only, it's a, it's a great point about the contract, and the only thing that I would look at this roster and the way that it's constructed is he is, as you just mentioned, their best shooter. So if you're trading him away, and they have struggled to shoot the ball this season and in the years past, mm-hmm. it, does it have to be sort of like a one-for-one shooter-for-shooter? Or 
Because where, where are you going to get the shooting from if he's gone? If you trade him, I think either you get the shooter back or you've determined that you're probably not going to be that team this year. Mm -hmm. So add a piece and then get your shooter in the offseason. Yeah. Well, let's hope that uh, it doesn't come too quickly that they realize that they're not that team this year. Or he just works his ass off. Or, yeah. He continues to shoot it and play some defense, and the team's better. Love it. Uh, Patrick Lina, who, who I saw is... Uh, the haircut you were Oh, you like that, eh? Hey, huh? I got it. You like the haircut? Yeah, well done, yeah. <laughs> He's back in Winnipeg tonight. It's not the first time he returned like since it. he was traded. No, I did. I no. like that. I was smiling. Uh, <laughs> it's the first time he's been back since he decided to shave his head, obviously. Uh, Line was asked about it today and credited Sportsnet's Ken Weave as the inspiration what? for his new look. I know Sean said Sorry, this. Me. What? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it's getting older. Um, I thought... Uh, Weaves was rocking this haircut for for a while, so uh, I figured it looked pretty good on him. So might as well give it a shot, and it doesn't look too bad, but not as good as him. <laughs> That's an awesome shout out so, for Weave. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you often say that Weave has a, a great haircut as well. Yeah. Well, we've got a few guys with great haircuts on this network. So who rocks it better, Weave or Patrick Lyon? Well, there's a comparison right there. I think like the, there's an there's an old white guy glasses shaved head thing going on in a lot of places. I don't know if Patrick Liney is there yet. He doesn't have to shave the head, I don't think. Although it is getting a, a little thinner up in the areas, right? <laughs> what? Well, yeah. What's with the glasses thing? It's very interesting. Like, why do why all... are there no contacts? <laughs> I, I wore contacts for a long time. Maybe laser. Yeah, it just kind of makes you look a little bit weird. The glasses make you look smarter. Isn't that, a, isn't that a thing? Ryan Leslie doesn't wear them. He's another bald guy on the network. That's right, another good haircut. Mm -hmm. uh, do glasses make you look smarter? Is that like a thing? Is that I, why you wear them? I don't, I don't think so. No, I think, I think it just, for me, I wore my contacts way too much. And I had an aneurysm on my eye, so I put glasses on. They, <laughs> they, they can get a bit much. Contacts. Contacts. Sure. Yeah. You like, wear the contacts, eh? Yeah, you've seen me. Why don't you wear the glasses? Sometimes. Are you afraid of the glasses, eh? Hey, now you're talking about bald guys. Why don't you wear the glasses? I don't like my glasses. Yeah. I make my head look big. Bigger than it already is. <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that does it for us. Hockey Central, Carolyn Cameron, Mike Feudal, Luke Gadzik. Coming up next, followed by the Raptors. As for us, we leave you. Let's take a look back at the week that was. Tim and friends. This is Friday, then. It's Friday, it's Friday, Friday, then. It's like me. <laughs> that, that is <laughs> that is so awesome. What do you call it? Do you call it a remote, a flicker, I call it a clicker? I call it a clicker. You call it a clicker. Yeah, now that I think about it, it's so weird. I think anything. It doesn't that, click anymore. No. All of those names are now old just like me. Why are you why are you so old? Is there a guy who comes across? as a bigger douchebag in all of... I understand! <laughs> he's, he's pointing over there. Saudi Arabia gone with their Bentleys. Nice little party it's gift. What makes less sense, Jesse? The Jaguars mascot dressed like this... Jackson DeVille? Or Pete Davidson and anyone? Uh, I mean, he should be teaching classes. Oh my goodness, should he?
The Toronto Raptors are in New Orleans to face the Pelicans tonight. Toronto will be tasked with. I heard Kenny Reed praise old school hockey. He mentioned the Maritimes like six <laughs> times. He yeah. insulted analytics. I've been golfing with Ken Reed, and he's got the Bluetooth speaker going. He's got the iPhone 13 wired into that thing. He's using new clubs. He's got SPF 90 that I'm sure has some recent technology in it. You are not old school, Kenny Reed. You are a fraud. It was nothing but Guns N' Roses and Def Leppard and April Wine and Wasp coming out of that new highfalutin speaker of mine. Welcome to the jungle. Stuart Skinner and Argentina wrap up this edition of Tim and Friends. Stuart, get between the pipes. If it's no Scottish, it's crap! Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend.